Midday Live on SAFM, 104-107. Six minutes past 12 indeed. This is a Midday Live SAFM, 104-107. How was your weekend? We woke up on Saturday morning to the terrible scenes of uh, Westgate Mall attack in Kenya. Seeing more visuals now on social network or networks really, uh, really disturbing. I mean, people running helter-skelter with uh, bullet wounds uh, on their backs, children exposed to dead people. Really sad day in uh, Kenya. Al-Shabaab, a Somali militant group, has claimed responsibility, saying that uh, this is nothing compared to the pain caused by the Kenyan troops when they stormed the town of uh, Kismayo, driving the militants away. The world is with the Kenya uh, on, on this one, and at this moment, President Jacob Zuma, on behalf of uh, the government of South Africa, has expressed his shock and dismay at the attack and has expressed his sympathy and deepest condolences to uh, James uh, Thomas's family, uh, as well as uh, to the government and uh, the peoples of Kenya, and especially the families of uh, the many deceased uh, and wish uh, the wounded survivors a uh, speedy recovery there. Mr. Thomas is one of uh, the 68 people killed during the attack. He's a South African. You, you, you might have heard about that. We also salute the heroics displayed by uh, Tom Kirkwood, uh, the journalist, originally from Johannesburg, we're told, who is seen carrying an injured woman from the mall. Uh, Kirkwood's uh, uh, picture resembles that of Mbuisa Makubo. Remember him, who was seen carrying... Uh, uh, the body of uh, Hector Peterson during the 1976 uprisings. He disappeared, uh, Makubo, uh, immediately after that, and uh, we hear now that uh, the South African government is suspecting that he might be, uh, he might still be alive and might be uh, in one of uh, uh, the Canadian prisons. Uh, a team of experts now, together with uh, with the family, has been dispatched to Canada to conduct DNA tests. So we cross our fingers that indeed it is. Uh, um, but uh, the Kenya's uh, development uh, overshadowed what could have been a perfect weekend uh, on the sporting front. The annihilation, uh, annihilation of uh, Manchester United by uh, Manchester City uh, went down uh, very well with some, but uh, my dear friend Ernest Pillay of Radio 2000 not too impressed, uh, so are many other people. But uh, the Gunners are on top for the first time in two seasons or so, uh, even momentarily. And the Buccaneers marched into the semi-finals of the African Champions League, representing uh, South Africa there. The Sharks, too, very strong for the Cheetahs. Uh, and uh, who is going to stop uh, Sebastian Vettel? Nobody. He is going to the fourth straight F1 Grand Prix Championship now, closing in on uh, Michael Schumacher. All right, uh, let's go back now to our top story at this hour. Kenya's pre- Deputy President uh, William Ruto has been allowed one week leave to return to Kenya, where the Westgate uh, Mall hostage crisis continues. And uh, this as uh, the standoff at uh, the Kenyan shopping mall enters its third day now. Helicopters uh, have also been seen overheard, prompting speculation that uh, an operation to end the siege was underway. At least 68 people, including a South African, are known to have uh, been killed in the attack by militants from the Somali Al-Shabaab group. Meanwhile, the family of a South African man who was killed during uh, an attack at uh, at a mall in Kenya is still uh, trying to come to terms with uh, his death. James Thomas was killed in the attack in the capital Nairobi. This morning, uh, Tepiso Makwetla on AM Live spoke to Kenya's presidential spokesperson, Mano Esipisu. We do have a number of, a number of people held uh, uh, in the mall. Uh, that's what makes uh, the operation very delicate uh, because we do not want to lose any more people needlessly and senselessly. We would like uh, our 
our our special forces to balance the need to flush out the uh, the the terrorists uh, in the mall while getting out uh, as many of our people out alive. Do you know how many hostages are being held? Uh, we certainly we don't have a clear number because they are in in several floors of the mall. Uh, we so so it's been difficult to to do the approach. That's why we say it's, it's a little it's very complex dealing with this particular situation. When asked on how uh, is Kenya going to respond to the siege, Kenya's presidential spokesperson uh, Mano Esipisu had this to say. Uh, as the president said, uh, Al Shabaab have claimed uh, uh, responsibility. However, uh, our forensic analysts uh, are looking at the type of conversation uh, on social media that Al Shabaab used uh, to just to co- confirm that. And uh, once once we have a clear uh, indication, then uh, the security agents will take a view on how we should proceed. In terms of how exactly uh, the president would exact uh, the, the tracking down and getting these people and punishing them, I think that is a, a security operation about which if we broadcast, then it wouldn't be useful. Uh, Kenya will not pull out of Somalia. Uh, our resolve is very strong on that point. Uh, we base the reason we went into Somalia, partly to secure uh, Somalia itself and, and help its government stabilize. Uh, more importantly, to secure our own people, uh, because our our border with Somalia uh, has Kenyan Somalis and Somali Somalis, and and so they cross and uh, they cross often uh, in that way, and thugs uh, the thugs get to get into Kenya and commit whatever atrocities they do. We want to be able to to reach a point where we say. Our operation in Somalia uh, has and uh, brings to a halt uh, the, the, this insecurity uh, incident. And I think until that job is done, we are still there. Kenya's presidential spokesperson, Manoa Sipisu. To find out more on the situation at uh, the Westgate Shopping Mall in Nairobi, we are joined on the line now by our reporter on the ground, uh, Valdi Karase. Good afternoon to you, Valdi. Good afternoon, Bongi. How is the situation on the ground as we speak? You are on the ground and uh, you're witnessing uh, uh, every operation as it unfolds. Uh, Bongi, I'll give you a bit of context. I'm actually standing on the rooftop of an apartment building looking down on Westgate Mall. Um, so I'm overlooking this whole scene because what police have done is they've cordoned off um, the roads leading to the mall uh, for security reasons and they've uh, put the journalists right at the end of the road. So in order to have a bird's eye view, I've come on the roof of the apartment building and um, there's been sporadic gunfire throughout the morning. There's always a bit of a lull for about an hour and then you'll hear more gunshots. So people in the Westgate area were... Uh, we're awakened this morning at around 6.30 Kenyan time with massive explosions and about 10 minutes of repeated gunfire, a clear indication that the Kenyan Defense Force is inside the mall trying to, um, trying to end the standoff that's entering day three now. And uh, there are many hostages, we're told, still trapped inside there. What is their fate right now as we speak? What are you hearing? Bungi, that's still unclear. The Kenyan Defence Force and police are keeping their 
cards quite close to their chest and for obvious reasons. They're asking the media to be quite responsible in what they're reporting because it puts their operation at risk. Um, Al-Shabaab have shown that they're quite active on social media platforms and they're afraid that giving out information of the condition of the hostages inside or even how many gunmen are inside will jeopardize, will jeopardize their security operations. Um, we are expecting the Inspector General of Police uh, to give us a security update briefing in the next half an hour or so. He arrived on the scene um, about two hours ago, and he's meeting with some of the some of the soldiers at Westgate Mall who have been involved um, in this operation since last night. We were here until late last night and then early again this morning, and we're constantly seeing soldiers in trucks coming in and coming out. Uh, the Red Cross reporting a little earlier today that the death toll is now 69 with 63 missing. They're assuming that's how many people are inside the mall, but that's still to be confirmed by the Kenyan government. Mm. And uh, clearly the, the mood is uh, is quite tense right now as we speak, but when you, you interact with uh, ordinary people on the ground, what kind of sense are you getting uh, from them? Is it, is it that of, of anger, really, of resentment of, of, of the situation, or, or really right now everyone is in a daze? Definitely not anger, definitely not resentment. There is a real mood of, um, of Kenyan solidarity. There is a, a, there's a line in the, that they, that they frequently use, which is, we are one. There's this, there's this real mood that, um, even though these might have, these acts might have been perpetuated by al-Shabaab, um, a Somali-linked terrorist group that hasn't been confirmed, even though they might have been, there are a lot of Somalis living here, Kenyan Somalis and Somali Somalis, because Kenya, um, is a neighboring country to Somalia, and there isn't, there isn't that sense of anger yet. There is just utter disbelief, shock, a lot of Kenyans are praying that the hostage drama comes to an end. A lot of people are hoping that the hostages um, will be released and will be and will be released alive. But we are obviously getting unconfirmed reports that some of the hostages haven't been fed since Saturday um, uh, when the attack started. Um, that uh, they're still holed up in one part of the mall and the security forces can't get to them. Um, so there's constantly crowds gathering around the roads, around Westgate Mall, coming to look, coming to see, and those people who still have family missing, there's a triage center um, set up just down the road from the mall where people can go, but there is a real sense of solidarity among Kenyans. Yesterday, we saw people coming out in their hundreds to donate blood, uh, to donate blood to the victims of this attack. Uh, there were queues of people. They were running out of blood bags. That's how much people wanted to help. You've seen acts of kindness, just people giving tea to the security forces this morning, um, giving uh, Kenyan's version of, of, of a, of a, a magwenya, or it's called a mandazi here, giving them the, to the security forces. Some of those guys um, have been out here for hours. There's incredible acts of bravery that we've seen since Saturday, just people picking up children who were injured, helping other people out, going back into the mall to rescue people. Real sense of solidarity, none of the anger yet. 
All right, uh, thank you very much uh, to our reporter, Valdi Karse, who is uh, in uh, Kenya as we speak, uh, looking down uh, from uh, the rooftop of uh, a flat there, just to get a sense of uh, what is going on at the mall. Uh, so, uh, really, uh, very sad, sad uh, uh, analysis of the situation coming out of uh, that uh, shopping mall in Kenya, Westgate shopping mall uh, that is uh, in Nairobi. All right, let's uh, talk now to... Uh, Mr. Kuseni Lamini, who is a, a member of uh, the National Council of the SA Institute of International Affairs. Uh, Mr. Lamini, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Romi. Thank you for having me on your program. And uh, the implications of, of this attack? They are very, very serious indeed. Uh, it just shows that terrorism is a global problem, and we see it from the composition of the victims. It's not just Kenyan people there. We've lost the South African, we've lost, other nations have lost their people as well. But more importantly, Bumi, the culprits as well are also not just Somalis. Actually, the majority of the culprits come from rich Western countries like the U.S., Britain, Canada, and Finland, at least from the nine that were released by Al-Shabaab yesterday. So it's a very complex global problem from a global perspective. From a regional it's a regional problem in Africa, African Union and our sub-regional bodies to really rally around and try and find long-lasting solutions. Mm. And uh, and uh, Kenya is not alone uh, uh, at this hour right now because the world really is with Kenya right now. You saw uh, reports coming out of uh, the US and uh, the UK as well. Uh, um, uh, Prime Minister Cameron there saying that he's cutting short his trip to focus on this. But really even coming out of South Africa, the president here condemning the attacks and uh, saying that uh, the peoples of South Africa are with uh, the Kenyans at this hour. So a clear indication that everyone really is, is, is angry at this, but everyone is with Kenya this uh, uh, hour of need? There's, there's a global outpouring of solidarity and support for Kenya, as you like to say. This is an hour of need for Kenya. And I dare say, this is not just Kenya's problem, but it's the world's problem, because, as we have seen, it's not just Kenyans that have died, but from other But also the source of the problem is not just East Africa, but it's also global. So it's really a challenge for the world community to find efficacious and sustainable ways of resolving the global terrorist threat that we're seeing. But what is the background to all this? We know that uh, Kenya last year uh, pushed uh, Al-Shabaab out of uh, the region of uh, Kismayo, uh, that port city there, uh, but uh, it didn't start there. I mean, Al-Shabaab started uh, being active around about uh, 2006. What have you been observing, and what is your analysis of the situation there? I mean, at the core of it, Al-Shabaab is saying that they want the Kenyan forces out of out of Somalia, and uh, we know that Kenyan forces to forces as part of a UN-mandated intervention, and it's really to stabilize that neighborhood. We, without stability in Somalia, the whole of East Africa will never be stable. So it doesn't even help to even start thinking about the possibility of pulling out because of this, because that's not going to yield anything. We have seen the rise of this Al-Qaeda franchise globally and uh, in East Africa being represented by Al-Shabaab, uh, comprising young people from different parts of the world, really identifying certain zones that they can liberate and make uh, use of to launch uh, attacks or indeed make them safe for the growth of the, the Islamic fundamental. And let's be honest here that this is not 
a, a, an issue that has to do with the Muslim religion in general, but it has to do with a group of people that are using that religion to pursue their own uh, political ambitions or, or their own agendas. Kenya, as you rightfully point out, uh, is uh, saying that uh, they're not going to withdraw from Somalia because they want to protect and secure their own people there and their own operations there. But can they, at this point in time, really even protect their own citizens in Kenya, can they uh, protect even uh, foreign nationals uh, who are in Kenya? And also looking at what happened uh, about last month, uh, the, 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 the situation at uh, the Kenya International Airport. Well, I mean, that's a very, very important and fundamental question you're asking. Uh, I think the issue of security is becoming a very complex one. Not one country can claim to be able to protect its citizens in its own country, let alone outside its own country. Okay. To the extent to which Kenyans in Somalia can be protected is limited. All right. Uh, we thank you very much, uh, Kuseni Zamin, for analyzing the situation. We go back to Kenya immediately because as we speak, there's been an explosion there. And uh, Sarah Kimani is uh, our Nairobi correspondent. Sarah, good afternoon to you. It's not a good afternoon here in Nairobi. What we can see from where we are is a thick black smoke coming from where the West Gate Mall stood. Uh, we've also had loud blasts. We're not quite clear if the mall has come down, but it has been continuous loud explosions for the last five minutes. And then the building just, we could hear as if the building was coming down. Uh, the officers where we are are continuing to shoot. Inside the building, the shooting has stopped, but the explosions are continuing. And they see black smoke as we speak now. Mm, so plumes of smoke are going into, into the air. But uh, you, you're talking about a huge explosion. Could this then mean that uh, the, uh, the, the Al-Shabaab uh, uh, militants there had explosions, maybe planted them all over the mall to, colla- to even collapse the building itself? We do not know for sure, but what we had had earlier is that uh, some of them had uh, weapons and uh, explosives trapped on their waist. I tried to ask President Kimata yesterday, and he said he could not confirm or deny those reports now. Uh, what is happening now, from where I am, I can just see thick black smoke, very, very thick black smoke just going into the air, and there's just explosions. And people just around here, running around, and we still don't know exactly the building has come down. Mm. And uh, the mall is covered by another building just in front of it. And and how? It's really it's difficult to ask because uh, you you're not allowed uh, uh, closer to to the mall itself. But uh, how are even foreign troops that are there now that have been deployed? We saw helicopters also circling uh, over the the mall itself. How are they responding to this situation? Well. Uh, See, most of the uh, Kenya Defense Forces officers were actually inside the building. Those who were trying to do the rescues, the others were just around the building. Uh, so we do not know. I, I have seen one helicopter. If you, I'm not sure that, that you can be able to catch that, but there's a helicopter right now circling just around where we are. Uh, from where we are, we're just about, uh, for security reasons, just a few um, kilometers away from there, less than three kilometers. And there, there goes another explosion, a loud explosion. All right, uh, so Sarah. we do not know who's inside the building. For sure, the people we know are inside the building are the hostages, the attackers, and the Kenya Defense Forces. All right, Sarah, uh, we'll come back to you maybe towards the end of the show just to get an update, uh, Sarah, the Kimani in Nairobi telling us about the second explosion going off uh, at uh, the Westgate shopping mall in uh, Nairobi. It's at uh, 25 minutes past 12. Midday Live on SAFM. 
104 to 107. Our top story this hour, a North Gauteng High Court judge in Pretoria has set aside a decision by the National Director of Public Prosecutions to withdraw charges against former crime intelligence boss Richard Mzuli. Looking at the markets this hour, gold is trading at $1,323.10 an ounce, platinum at $1,430.50 an ounce, the rand is trading at 9 rand 90 against the US dollar, at 15 rand 80 to the pound, and at 13 rand 30 to the euro. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Liberace! Behind the Candelabra is a 2013 American drama film directed by Steven Sonderberg about the last 10 years in the life of pianist Liberace and the secret affair he had with Scott Thorson. This is my friend, Scott Thorson. You are incredible out there. I have a great idea. Why don't you come work for me? Behind the Candelabra will be out on cinemas on the 26th of September, 2013. Smokey has produced numerous hits over 40 years, and now they're touring South Africa and Namibia from 26 September to 5 October with shows in Puchapstroom, Windhoek, Cape Town, Port Elizabeth, Bloemfontein, and Carnival City. A new Smokey South African collection box set with a DVD and double CD will also be released in September. Smokey in South Africa and Namibia from 26 September to 5 October. Bookings at CompuTicket or visit smokey.co.za. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. 27 past 12, indeed, Midday Live, SAFM, 104 to 107. Government is still waiting for DNA results to confirm if a man imprisoned in Canada is uh, indeed the one who carried Hector Peterson during the June 76 Soweto riots. An iconic photograph taken during the riots on uh, June 16, 1976, shows uh, Mbuisa Makubu carrying the slain Hector Peterson. Let's uh, talk now to the Minister of Arts and Culture, uh, Paul Mashatile. Minister, we, we, we sincerely apologize. You've been holding on for a while now. Uh, of course, the situation in uh, in Kenya. Uh, but first, maybe let's start with that now that we have you on the line, really. What, what do you feel about this and, uh, of course, the uh, government uh, responding to the situation in Kenya? Well, uh, the, the president has already condemned the attack. Um, and I'm sure all of us as South Africans, our sympathies are with the people of Kenya. Um, any form of terrorism must be condemned. And uh, we wish the authorities there uh, to move with speed to bring the situation to normality. All right, uh, Minister, let's get back to the business uh, of uh, uh, Mbuisa Makubu right now. Really, the, the, the DNA uh, tests are being conducted in Canada. Uh, but uh, give us a background to, to this. How, how did it come about that we even suspect that uh, a man uh, who is uh, in a, a Canadian prison could indeed be Mbuisa Makubu? <coughs> the, the Canadian authorities uh, <coughs> uh, alerted us that uh, there is a man who... Uh, came to Canada some time ago, obviously using uh, a passport that is not South African. Uh, but they, having looked at the pictures and everything, they suspect that he might actually be Mbuisa. Uh, we then said, look, we continue to look for our missing persons as South Africa, and that uh, if they think there is such a person, we will uh, try and do confirmations, and that's why we have some of our people out there to to 
check and try and interview the, the man, but also to, to try and link up with family. The difficulty, of course, as you know, that uh, his mother has passed on 10 years ago, um, and there are very few people in his family with just trace one person who's it's supposed to be the brother, and and therefore the DNA test is being conducted in in that respect. We would also beyond the DNA itself, we would like the family to try and look at the pictures and and so on and see if they can assist uh, the process because sometimes there are complications with with DNA tests. So that process is unfolding. So we have no confirmation at this stage that it is him. Uh, but our approach is that if it's a South African, uh, even if it's not Mbuisa, if this person is a South African, we will make arrangement to bring the person back and, and then look for the family. Mm. And, and Minister, what is what is the meaning of this? Say indeed the DNA is positive, and of course I'm, I'm saying positive. I'm going for positive because we always have to to remain positive. Say the, the, the yeah. DNA then confirms that it's him, and it happens during Heritage Month. But what is the meaning of that? Well, it, it would really be extraordinary because uh, you know Mbuyesa's role in the history of our country. Uh, it's a great one. Everybody really takes their mind back to 1976. And the fact that he has not been heard of for all these years, it's, it's a big concern to everybody. Uh, sh- should it be confirmed that it's him, uh, I think it will be a great, great achievement for us as South Africans. We will be able, obviously, to try and get to the bottom of uh, some of the things that happened during that time, he probably will be able to brief us what he knows. But we would love to have many of our people who are still alive out there in other parts of the world to come back home and enjoy the democracy with us. All right, Minister Paul Mashatile, thank you very much for your time. We've run out of time. We'd have loved to chat some more about uh, this, and uh, we'll be chatting uh, as the team is in Canada and uh, when they come back as well. Arts and Culture Minister Paul Mashatile, just after half past, time for the news headlines. As we say, good afternoon to Aureli Kalinga. Good afternoon, Bongi. Making headlines, a North Gauteng High Court judge in Pretoria has set aside a decision by the National Director of Public Prosecutions to withdraw charges against former crime intelligence boss Richard Ndluli. Two of the so-called Waterkloof 4 have reported back to the Zonderwater prison in Pretoria a short while ago. And finally, at least 69 people have been confirmed dead and 63 are missing following the Westgate Mall attack on Saturday in Kenya's capital, Nairobi. Back with a full update at 1 o'clock. Thanks, Aureli. We'll see you at the top of the hour. Let's go now to Shadow Twala. What's coming up between 1 and 2 and otherwise this afternoon? Hello. Hello, Bongi. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much. Just saddened by the developments in Kenya right now. Uh, I'm in a daze, if I may tell you right now. State of daze. But uh, really, uh, we have to soldier on and move on. Yeah, I've seen the pictures. They look horrible, horrible. But, Bongi, otherwise today... um, Ahead of Heritage Day, we invite you to join us on a refreshing cultural tour of Cape Town's slave heritage with Lucy Campbell as our tour guide. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. All right, we will be 
looking forward to that shadow between Net One and Two right here on SAFM, South Africa's News and Information Leader. 27 minutes to one, and uh, now we talk to uh, our senior constitutional court reporter, Candice Klein, who's with me in the studio here. Well, the issue really is that uh, Limpopo foreign traders are complaining that uh, the police are not holding up their end of uh, the bargain following a North Gauteng High Court order issued last month. A year ago, police targeted foreigners and closed down their shops uh, in Marapong Township. Uh, Candice, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Talk us through this, uh, uh, the, this issue right now. Maybe just give us a bit of a background so that we understand it better. Well, the background really stems around confusion um, involving the legislation regarding uh, asylum seekers and foreigners um, or, or refugees in the country. Um, and there was a debate in Home Affairs. In fact, um, they acted on their interpretation, which goes to the effect that asylum seekers are allowed to look for work here, but they're not allowed to open their own businesses. Um, and it was on that basis that the police then went into these foreign trade, uh, trader shops and demanded business licenses, which they couldn't produce, because the system of business licenses in the whole of Limpopo is in disarray. Um, so nobody, not even the local uh, traders in the township, have, have business permits. Yet the police only targeted these foreign-owned shops, saying that they are not, not allowed to operate, they confiscated their goods, they basically forced them to close down their shops. Subsequent to that police raid operation, um, these shops were closed, uh, and, they, and, and, and there's reports that, the, that, that a lot of looting took place. Mm. Um, the, the reports on the ground from the foreign traders was that the business forum had been involved um, in these in, in the in the looting subsequent um, to the shops being closed and even had a hand um, the allegation goes in the shops being closed in the first place so that was a year ago Um, a group of traders then approached lawyers for human rights who are arguing the issue on the basis of um, the interpretation that home affairs has around permits um, and and, and around the rights of refugees or or asylum seekers specifically uh, to actually open their businesses that's a separate court case another group of traders then challenged the police operation specifically um, saying that in terms of South African law, they have every right to, to, to continue operating their business in this country, um, that the police ac- action was unlawful. Um, they pointed to various inconsistencies, for, for instance, the fact that um, the police hadn't actually issued them with a, with, a, with a list or an inventory of what goods they were confiscating. Um, it was impossible for the traders then to, to get their goods back, maybe with a chance of, of recouping some money mm. um, and starting over somewhere else. Uh, a lot of people lo- lost a lot of money um, because these traders relied on these businesses, so they were left destitute as a result of that. Um, so it was specifically targeted, that court action specifically targeted at the police. The police minister cited as a respondent. Now, as an interim measure, um, the police minister and, and these foreign traders had agreed uh, on an order, and that was made an order of court in August, on August the 20th last month, mm. actually, um, to the effect that the police would not go into these shops and conduct similar raids, would not persist in asking for business permits, and would actually allow these, these traders uh, to continue with peaceful occupation of their businesses. Um, the the implied thing being that um, the police would actually go out of their way um, to assist these foreign traders from 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 the community or from uh, from anyone who is trying to prevent them from actually continuing opening their businesses. Um, so they got that order on the 20th of August, but they still haven't been allowed uh, to reopen their businesses as a result of that. Mm. So um, that, that's where the, 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 the matter is at the moment. Well, the matter is, has moved a little bit 
has moved a little bit more from that point because now the allegation goes that when some of these foreign traders went to the police armed with this order saying, mm. look, here's this order, you've got to allow us to go back to our shops. The police said, firstly, no, we can't, you won't be safe if you go back, um, you're not welcome in the area, you have to stay where you are, don't go back to the township. They then asked them to come back, according to these foreign traders, when they returned to the police station, they were given a letter um, from the Marapong Business Forum. It's a very strong allegation, basically, um, the, the, the implication being that the police are basically uh, agents of this business forum. Mm. The, the letter is to the effect, it's on a, on a letter from the Marapong Business Forum. It says it's from them, um, and it says attention to executive Ethiopians, Chinese, Somalians. We have received your letter with complete surprise and anger, goes on to say. In your letter you indicated that you come from the Department of Justice. As you say, you're from Justice Department and, agree, and agreed upon something that has nothing to do with community of Marapong. The community still says no to foreigners in Marapong. Okay. And then it goes on to list the number of bullet points. It also goes on to a, a, allege that maybe there was some kind of corruption okay. in, the, in the court process itself. All right. L- let's uh, speak now to Brigadier uh, Mlaouzi uh, there, uh, Hangwani, who, uh, Hangwani Mlaouzi, who is uh, from the Limpopo Police. Uh, Brigadier Mlaouzi, good afternoon to you. Uh, thank you for having me in your program. What, what can you tell us about this? Uh, th- th- there is a court order that, that, that says the police must, must uh, reopen these shops and uh, the police are still not opening these, uh, these shops by uh, foreign tra- uh, um, nationals. What, what can you tell us about this? Look, I, I spoke to Candice uh, last week Friday um, regarding the same issue, um, informing us that there is this court order that has been issued against us. Uh, we went over the weekend, I've spoken to the relevant department, one from our side, the legal department, they haven't received that uh, court order as yet. And unfortunately we cannot uh, comment on it until we have um, actually uh, received that and also articulated it in terms of making sure that um, if that is true, that court order has been issued against us, obviously we have to conform to it. But unfortunately the, the issue here is that um, the, the court order itself we haven't received it, and um, unfortunately, we, uh, I do not have anything to talk about now. But uh, last month, uh, the High Court ordered the police uh, uh, to desist from uh, such operations in, in the future and to facilitate the foreigners' return to their businesses. Have you at least got that kind of uh, order from, from the High Court? Like I said, um, it was the first time I heard about last week's Friday. Um, the other one that you're talking about that came out on the 20th of August, the same thing issue, because I spoke to Janam Balati to find out if that is true. Um, he was not even aware of it. That is our head of legal in the police. So, unfortunately, this, that is where we are at the present moment. But we are doing everything to get hold of that court order so that we can go through it. And then um, if we have been given I mean, such a... Um, an order that has been issued against that if it's there then we will have to conform to, okay. to, to, to that. Why did you round them up uh, uh, for even in the first place? Were they breaking any law? Look, the issue here is that um, there are a lot of shops that are being opened left, right and center. People are using other people's, uh, what do you call it, um, licenses. Some of them um, they do not conform to the set standard that the shop should, uh, should, um, should be uh, so it's not only the police. We, we've got a whole host of, uh, I mean, a whole host of uh, other stakeholders that were also involved. So obviously the police, they are the ones who are supposed to, you know, enforce the law. Uh, but at the same time, we're not only targeted in parallel only, but it's the, it's the province as a whole. Remember, you are looking at, uh, you are talking about people who are sleeping in shops. You know, there are issues that of sleep that we also have to look at. 
And these these small truck shops that we are talking about, they are the ones that are being targeted because most of these people they do not bank with with our bank in, in at our bank. They normally you know put money in and they, they become soft targets for criminals. So that those are the kind of things that we have been talking about at them in terms of making sure that at least even if they are having these shops, let them be safe as well. They must bank their money so that such kind of things do not happen. So. Um, so those are, those are the kind of some, some of the issues that we were looking at. But the fact that we were just targeting them, you know, because they are foreigners, that is not it's not also I mean foreigners that we were targeting. Also, also our South Africans, because uh, there are a lot of um, small businesses as my, which did not conform to the standards that we were, were closed. We were talking about illegal taverns here. We're talking about shops that were selling um, food that was. Um, Already, uh, that already expired. Okay. So, so those are the kind of things that we're looking at. So, All those right. are not only the police. So, that is the whole host of, uh, like I said, the whole host of stakeholders that we're dealing with this issue. All right, we got you. Thank you very much. There to uh, police spokesperson Brigadier Hangwani Monlaozi. It's uh, 19 minutes now to the hour of one. <laughs> Asked for it, and now it's here. FAFM proudly presents the best of the African Connection with Richard Mwamba, the dance edition. Dance yourself silly in this compilation of the best dance numbers of the African Connection with Richard Mwamba, now available at reputable CD outlets. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Just a couple of SMSs coming through 34701 here on SAFM, 104 to 107. And indeed, this is a Midday Live. It comes to you 12 to 1, weekdays, Monday to Friday. People criticize the buying of arms by government. They need to think twice and see a reason why cabinet then approved the arms deal. Kenyans saga, or Kenyans saga, says uh, Brian Kumalo there. And uh, Mike Ramotwala from uh, uh, Bolebodu saying that, uh, Bongi, it is said indeed uh, what is happening in, in Nairobi. Just some of the SMSs coming through here on SAFM. A North Houting High Court uh, in judge in Pretoria has set aside a decision by the National Director of uh, Public Prosecutions to withdraw charges against former crime intelligence boss Richard Nzuli. Judge John Murphy said that the decision made on February 2012 by the NDPP on behalf of uh, the National Police Commissioner when Nzuli was reinstated as head of uh, criminal intelligence in the SAPS will be set aside. The NDPP and the head of uh, Specialized Commercial Crime Unit, respectively, have been ordered to reinstate criminal charges which were uh, instated uh, against them slowly and uh, to take necessary steps to ensure that criminal proceedings for the prosecution are re-enrolled. Let's talk now to former Judge Johan Krichler, uh, who joins us on the line from Mardils. Judge, good afternoon to you. No, uh, former judge Johan Krichler is uh, not on the line. We'll try and uh, get him back on the line. But uh, let's also tell you that uh, DA National Spokesperson on Correctional Services, James Self, says that the release of uh, former gang leader Rashid Stahi uh, on day parole will be the biggest test of whether the rehabilitation program of uh, Correctional Services has been effective. Stahi, who has served almost 11 of uh, his 15-year jail term for various crimes, has been released on 
on day parole from a Polsmo prison today until his full release in March next year. So we'll be also looking at that particular story. Being born with retinal blindness is like being locked inside yourself, half seeing, half blind. But now there's a cure in sight, and the key is gene therapy. Soon, through this miracle of science, thousands of children will get the gift of sight. Join Retina South Africa in making their dream come true. SMS DREAM to 38267 and donate 10 Rand. Or go to www.acureinsight.org.za. Free SMSs do not apply and prices exclude VAT. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Let's give you your lunchtime market updates and we say good afternoon to Sudhir Singh of Sasfield Securities. How are the markets looking uh, heading into a short week, uh, Sudhir? Well, Bongi, uh, as you mentioned, it is a short work week locally and we are likely to see a leisurely start to the week. Globally, Asian markets are mostly lower this morning, despite Shanghai being lifted by an early reading showing Chinese manufacturing expanded more than expected. In Europe, uh, markets are largely unchanged this morning as investors take in uh, Angela Merkel's overwhelming win in the German election. Over on Wall Street, uh, after stocks were pushed higher last week on the back of the U.S. Uh, Fed unexpectedly refraining from reducing its bond purchase program, the focus will now turn to the debt ceiling, where if no budget is reached by the end of the month, a shutdown becomes re- a real possibility. On the local front, uh, shares have retreated this morning, having reached uh, record highs last week, as international investors were net buyers of both equities and bonds. Bongi, with tomorrow being a holiday, uh, trade is very thin this morning, and we could see more activity on Wednesday as we play catch-up. Just taking a look at the local indices, we've got the gold index, which is down 3%. Resource 10 index is down 0,6%. Industrial 25 index is down 0,1%. The financial index is up 0,2%. And overall, the market is down around 11 points to 44,083. And uh, Sudir, stock on the move today? On the upside, we do have Richmond, which is up almost 2% at 102 rands and 60 cents. Telcom is up just over 1% at 23 rands and 20 cents. Sassel is up uh, just under half a percent at 479 rands. And Woolworths is up 0,3% at 74 rands and 50 cents. And on the downside, we have Anglo Gold, which is down just over 4% at 127 rands and 90 cents. Pick and Pay is down almost 4% at 43 rands and 20 cents. ShopRite is down just over a percent at 166 rands and 20 cents. And lastly, we have uh, Vodacom, which is down half a percent at 122 rands and 40 cents. And uh, your latest market indicators? Currently, we have gold, which is trading at uh, $1,319.70 an ounce. Platinum is at $1,428.50 an ounce. Brent crude is at $109.40 per barrel. And finally, we have the rand, which is trading at 9 rand 90 cents to the dollar, 15 rand 90 cents to the pound, and 13 rand 40 cents to the euro. That's it for me, Bongi. And thank you very much to Sudhir Singh of Sasfin Securities. The Oliver and Adelaide Trumbo Foundation, in partnership with SAFM, invites you to join the third annual Oliver and Adelaide Trumbo Liberation Walk on the 1st of October 2013. This year's theme is 10,000 Feet United for Education. Enter the 5, 10 or 21 kilometer walk as we honor these struggle heroes. Entertainment for kids and family will be provided too. For more information, visit tamboliberationwalk.co.za. Join us as we walk to educate. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. It's uh, 12 minutes to 1 right here on SAFM, 104 to 107. Let's talk now to the Director General 
uh, of uh, Home Affairs, uh, Mkuseli Apleni. Well, the issue here really is that uh, Limpopo foreign traders are complaining that uh, the police are not holding up their end of the bargain following a North Gauteng High Court order issued last month. A year ago, police targeted foreigners and closed down their shops in Marapong Township. Last month, the High Court ordered the police to desist from such operations in future and to facilitate the foreigners' return to their businesses. Uh, Mr. Apleni, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon and to the listeners. I'm not too sure how familiar are you with this particular story, but generally just seeing what is happening in South Africa, you have lootings now that are happening mainly of shops owned by foreign nationals, Somalis and, and Pakistanis and all of them. What, what, what is the, the, the position of home affairs in this regard, particularly with what foreign nationals can or cannot own? Well, firstly, I think what is important is the position of government. Uh, government of South Africa is a signatory uh, to various protocols uh, which governs the relationship uh, with regard to the foreign nationals which are visiting uh, any country in the world. So foreign nationals have to be treated with the respect they deserve. They have to be treated our constitution covers anyone who is in the country. We do not differentiate in terms of how we deal with the people. Mm. So as a government of South Africa, we respect anyone who is in our country and anyone has to abide by the law of this country. So that is the position of government. Then as Home Affairs, we are the uh, implementer not only as a department with various departments as police, as uh, home affairs, and any other government department, we've got a responsibility to abide by those conventions or protocols which the countries have signed. And then the individual department, we've got now us an immigration act, which now makes sure that we comply with that. We've got a refugee act to make sure that we handle people according to those conventions. So that is the position of, of government, that everyone must be treated the same in the country. All right. Now, as an individual, I break those laws. We have to deal with you, whether you are a foreign national or you are a citizen of this country. All right, Mr. Plain, let's, let's look at uh, the, the different categories of uh, foreign nationals that we have here, and, and particularly looking at what's been happening, the, the wave of, of lootings and stuff. There's, there's a legislation uh, earlier on, uh, we we're talking to our senior constitutional court reporter, Candice Klein, who was, was uh, telling us that your, your understanding of the legislation is that, or your interpretation at least of the, of the legislation is that asylum seekers here in South Africa are allowed to, to to, to seek employment, but they are not allowed to own shops. Well, uh, what what let's 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 categorize this process as well mm. and say there is a difference between an asylum seeker and a refugee. When you are an asylum seeker, you are still saying, "I have left my country." because of being persecuted, whether it's for religious reasons or whatever, political. Therefore, I'm in your country. I am requesting a protection because I no longer take the protection of my country. Sure. Then what happens now is that when you come in, we give you what we call a Section 22, which now Section 23, you get it in the country as you are crossing the, the, the border 
And then that section 22 says, 23 says to you, you must go to the first or nearest refugee center and go and apply for a, of being a refugee. Whilst you are doing that, then before then now you are given a section 24, which now say your status has been determined as a refugee. You get what is called a section 22. That section 22 allows you to be in the country legally. Then there is a condition you now on that uh, 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 section 22. But at that stage, you are not yet declared a refugee because if now we have already been declared a refugee, the only right which you do not have as against any South African citizen is the right to vote. Okay. The rest you have as a refugee. Yeah. Now, as an asylum, you know, there was that uh, uh, condition now which says, look, because as South Africa government, we do not have, we're not able to provide people for a stipend or whatever. Then that condition, section 22, says, fine. In the meantime, you can be able to work, you can be able to, um, uh, 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 to study. Then, because at that stage, you're not yet have a full status in the country. Your status is still being a detriment. Okay, I'm going to have to rush you a little bit here, Mr. Aplane. Apologies, yes. because uh, we're running out of time. And very yes. briefly, you're saying that uh, refugees have uh, every right, really, except the right to vote. But uh, do they have... The refugee, because you have been given your status in that period of four years, which have been given, you've got all the rights, whether to for health, for everything okay. except the right to, to vote. vote. There are allegations here, and I'm, I'm asking this question purely on the basis of allegation. We saw what happened in D- Deep Slot when uh, allegations that uh, a foreign national who owned a shop there shot and killed one of uh, uh, one of the people there, South Africa, and obviously that violence that we saw there. In the, in the Eastern Cape, New Brighton as well, same thing, reports of uh, an allegation of uh, shooting there as well. So what do you make of that, then, uh, the, the ownership of, of guns, if indeed that, that is found to be true? That's why I was saying, if now those people are having things illegally, as I'm saying, we are not discriminating. Whether you are a South African, you've got a gun without a license, you are breaking the law. Okay. Whether you are a foreign national, you've got a gun without a license, you are breaking the law. All right. We have to end it at that. Um, Kuseli Apleni is the Director General at Home Affairs. Thank you very much. Let's go back to Sarah Kimani now in Kenya, Nairobi. Sarah, the last time we spoke, two explosions uh, there. What can you tell us now briefly? Well, uh, now the, the explosions have ceased, and indeed you can tell with my voice I'm calmer now. Uh, but what we can see is a very, very, very thick black smoke uh, coming from the Westgate Mall. Initially, I had told you that I was not sure if the mall had come down, and now I have reports that the mall is still standing, uh, but the smoke is still increasing, very black, and uh, the explosions are seized, and so have the gunfire. But there is a police chopper that is cycling around the area where the mall is. All right, uh, thank you very much, Sarah Kimani, our correspondent based in Nairobi. At four minutes to one, time now for Create with Michelle Constant. Create.